Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. You may be seated. It's an honor to be here. And I want to uh, say thank you uh, to Dr. Chapel, first of all, for the privilege to stand in this pulpit. That's not a light thing. And I understand that. And thank you, Dr. Getch and all of the faculty for your faithfulness to the Lord. And thank you for being here at Bible College. That's a big deal. And I appreciate you being here, young people. I appreciate whatever the events are that led you here. That's God's grace in your life. And uh, I'm glad that you uh, follow the Lord and that you're here. I've asked the Lord to help me help you to be a blessing, both to the faculty and the staff, but to you students. And uh, uh, we uh, perhaps don't know each other, but um, I'm glad the Holy Spirit that lives in you lives in me. And he's able to orchestrate just what we need uh, in a session, in a service like this. Uh, this morning's message is going to be uh, just a testimonial kind of a message. And uh, as I share uh, with you my heart and my spirit uh, toward uh, the call of God upon my life. And I, I want to encourage you through the message. I also want to challenge you through the message. We're beginning in 1 Samuel. And chapter number nine, first Samuel chapter number nine, uh, right after that, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter one. So you could go ahead and turn there as well. But first Samuel and chapter number nine and um, a verse I'm sure that will uh, ring familiar to numbers of you as we get to it. First Samuel chapter nine. And I'd like to read beginning of verse one and we'll conclude on verse number six. First Samuel nine and verse number six. And uh, thank you so much. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. If you would, just follow along with me as I read aloud, beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of the servants with thee and arise, go to seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of uh, uh, Shalisha. Uh, But they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for for us. So so Saul had a son of Kish, had one of the servants with him. He, He was on his father's mission to find these uh, donkeys, and, and they, they'd gone uh, further than they expected to have gone. And Saul, in consideration of his father, said, you know, we better get back home. You know, dad was worried about, worried about his animals. He's going to be worried about us if we don't get back home. And then uh, a wonderful thought comes to us in verse 6. The servant, uh, he said unto him, the servant said to Saul, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, 
peradventure, he can show us our way that we should go. Now, of course, this man of God was Samuel, and unbeknownst to Saul, God had uh, <laughs> directed those donkeys where he directed them. He had sent Saul on a mission so that he would have a divine appointment and cross paths with this man of God, Samuel. That day, Saul found out that God had a different mission for him other than chasing down his daddy's donkeys. And he realized that God had sent him here and he used someone, he used Samuel to show Saul that God had a greater plan and purpose for your life. And the servant called him the man of God. In this city, there is a man of God. In other words, let's not leave, let's not make this decision without first talking to the man of God. Surely he can help us and, uh, and guide us. I, I want to speak on that little phrase uh, again, just a testimony this morning. I hope you'll bear with me with personal illustrations, but it's just the story of God's goodness in my life. And, uh, and so I want to share it with you. As I speak on this subject, there is in this city, a man of God. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray, Lord, that you will use the preaching of your word to encourage the hearts of this student body through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give each person just what they need at this stage of their life, at this juncture of their life, or perhaps decisions that are facing them. And please, Lord, just let us lay another brick on a wall, on a foundation of their lives, and help them along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I made a profession of faith as a six-year-old boy when my aunt sat me with three or four other kids on the stairs outside of the little beginner department. And uh, the question had been posed, do you want to be saved? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to go to Carowinds. That's our six flags. And I wanted to go camping. Not necessarily in that order, but I was, that's what I wanted. So I was ready. Sign me up. And uh, as a six-year-old boy, very sincerely, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. And I was baptized shortly thereafter. About two and a half years later, the Holy Spirit began to convict me and, and showed me that I was a sinner headed for hell. And I said to myself, I can't be headed for hell. I, I got saved already. I even got baptized. And I go to church every service and dad is on the staff. And, uh, and, uh, and so I, I didn't tell anybody of the convicting of the Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, but I continued to feel it. And so at night, I'd lay in my bed. I'd think about hell. And I'd be, uh, I don't want to die and go to hell. And I'm afraid of going to hell. And so I'd lay in my bed and I'd say, now, God, if I'm not saved, uh, I want you to save me now. And, uh, and I'd say, well, that'll do it. And then I would still be under conviction. And, and, and so I'd try it again. I think maybe I wasn't sincere enough. Oh, God, please, this time, I really mean it. If I'm lost, if I'm headed for hell, save me now. Now, now, now uh, that's, that's sort of like uh, 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 saying uh, to the physician who's telling you that you need open heart surgery because you have a bad valve and 90% blockage and everything uh, uh, going to and from your heart. Saying, well, in case I need surgery, uh, you, you know, listen, it, it not, it's not possible that we might need salvation. Uh, we need salvation. It, it, it's not a, well, maybe perhaps. And, and so I was almost agreeing with the Holy Spirit, but not quite. 
And the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, you're a sinner, you're lost, you're headed for hell. And I said, well, if, if that's true, then I really want you to save me. I thought maybe if my voice quaked, you know, like the preachers do, oh God, maybe that would make a difference, you know. And uh, it didn't work and I didn't get any peace. And finally, I gave up on that after a couple of weeks. I don't know, I probably prayed 15 times, Lord save me. And I got out of my seat on a Wednesday night and I walked to the pastor. I said, I need to be saved. He said, are you sure? I said, I need to be saved. I think I got saved when I got up out of my seat because it was the first time I agreed with the Holy Spirit and said, I need to be. Can I tell you something, uh, 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 student body? It is impossible to trust Jesus Christ to save you from a hell you can't admit you're headed to. Think about that. You can't trust Jesus to save you from a hell you don't think you're headed to. And it's, it's a humbling thing, but it was the first time in my life that I had come to the place and said, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I admit I'm going to hell. It's not I might be going to hell. It's not I might be a sinner. I might deserve hell. I had to face it. And the moment I faced it, I already knew Christ was the answer. That was a simple part to me. But it was a humbling of myself and admitting God saved me that day. Amen. And, and I, I got baptized right away. I don't know how to explain this because everyone's call is different. But turn with me, if you would, to, to Jeremiah chapter number one. I, I don't know uh, how to explain this. And, you know, we all have a tendency perhaps to extrapolate our personal experiences with God uh, on others. And, uh, and, and, and uh, certainly God uh, works uniquely with us, but also in similar ways with his people. Uh, but the truth is this, God's work in your life is indeed completely unique uh, in the way that he dealt with you. He is our guide, the Bible says. He's our teacher. And so he knows just where to take us and when to take us there. And, uh, and so uh, I, I don't know how to explain this to you and maybe your call is differently, but I can't remember a time in my life where I did not know that God wanted me to be a pastor. I mean, even before I was saved. As a little boy, I, I, even when I was struggling with my salvation, there was something in my mind and in my heart that one day God wanted me to be a pastor. And quite frankly, I wanted to do it. Now, I, I, I don't know uh, uh, if that uh, fits with perhaps some other servant of God and how he would describe the call of God on someone's life. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you that's the way it was for me. And I find in Jeremiah, in, in verse number four, uh, uh, the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah says, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now God is telling Jeremiah, he said, listen, before you were ever thought of, before uh, your, your parents ever knew you were on the way, I, I knew you and had a plan for you and a purpose for you. We understand this verse is so powerful in, 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 the, in, the, in the, uh, the doctrine of, of life and the sanctity of human life. Uh, but it also is a verse that talks about God's divine purpose for our lives. I don't believe anybody's an accident. God isn't looking for something for you to do. God didn't look and say, well, let's see here. Oh, so and so, what's your name, sir? Vincent, uh, oh, Vincent's at Bible college. I better figure out a plan for him. He showed up, man. I, I, no, 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 no. Before God ever spoke the worlds into existence, Psalm 139, 
God had a set of books with the shape of your nose and ears and several pages for your ears and uh, your feet. That's where you're supposed to laugh. Uh, anyway, but every, all your members, Psalm 139, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God put all your members in a book. Your life was planned before the world was spoken into existence. So God had a purpose and a plan for you. And you, you might still be discovering the Holy Spirit is so patient and our guide. And he doesn't tell us everything at one time because we probably wouldn't go if he did. And so in his time, he reveals as we submit to him and as we follow him, uh, he takes us a few more steps and reveals his purpose and plan. But that doesn't mean God didn't know it in eternity past. God knew it. He said, Jeremiah, I've got a plan for you. Jeremiah's immediate re response was a human response of, of inadequacy. He said, man, I can't do that. What are you talking about? You've got the wrong guy. Look at verse number six. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm not a speaker for I am a child but the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. And by the way, you men that will preach, and there's some scary faces out there. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Could I ask if you, you uh, many of you, I'm sure today, perhaps do not have yet the direct leading of God in your life as far as his call and what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go. But I, and, and I'm preaching to the whole student body, but if I could ask the young men who would say, uh, Pastor Shook, I know that God has called me to preach. I know that I will be uh, in, in some kind of ministry as a preacher of the gospel, missionary, pastor, youth pastor. But I know, young men, I know that God has called me. Just stand to your feet quickly. Stand to your feet. And uh, I know that. Now, some of you are seeking the Lord, and uh, we understand that. And, uh, but these, are, these of you that are standing are where I was as a little boy. And as I entered Bible college, I knew what God had for me. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm thankful that God has given you that. Those of you that are still seeking the Lord, God is faithful and he will reveal his purpose for you. But I want to speak to all of you, but to you young men, perhaps this message will seem like I'm just preaching to you. I hope all of you will listen in. Thank you and you may be seated. In 1995, I was at the Wilds Christian Camp and Conference Center as a 15-year-old boy going into my sophomore year. I was saved at age eight and I grew up in uh, uh, my, my past, pastor's home, an assistant pastor, later pastor. And, uh, and I knew what God had for me. But like so many, I began to cave to the fear of man and the pressures of peers. And, and I got sideways with the Lord, a little sneaky and so forth. And, and, and God convicted me of that. And, and um, I got listening to some of the wrong music and I got a tape and I listened to it in, in my Walkman <laughs> and, uh, and with my ear uh, uh, headphones, you know, and I got convicted and I threw it away and I bought it again. I threw it away. I bought it three times and threw it away three times. And so it wasn't really where I ought to be with the Lord. And I knew that. And, but that Thursday night, Rand Hummel preached 1985. And, uh, and I was sitting on the back row with what I thought was my best friend at the time. And God so convicted me. And, and uh, if you've been to that uh, camp, uh, you know, there's a, a symbolic uh, take a stick and throw it on the fire, you know, uh, 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 as, as if to say, this is my commitment to the Lord. I'm putting it all on the line and consecrating my life. 
And uh, I got out after many people had come forward and, and given testimonies. And I finally, just miserable as I could be, got off the back row, walked to the front, got me a stick, threw it on the fire, turned to the microphone. I didn't cry, I didn't weep. It wasn't an emotional thing. I just said, you know what? Most of y'all here know that I'm not doing what I ought to do. I'm not living like I ought to live. I want to tell you I'm sorry, but God has uh, showed me I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to live for God. If you want to be my friend, that's great. If you don't, that's okay too. And that was that. My decision, I, I, I don't know how to explain this, but I had already in my mind surrendered to God's purpose for me to be a preacher, to be a pastor. I, I don't know. I can't tell you when it happened. I just don't remember ever there was a time where I had not. But, but <laughs> saying I'll be what God wants me to be, uh, do what God wants me to do is not the same thing as saying I'll be what God wants me to be. And I was not what God wanted me to be. And that day, I got serious about my relationship with the Lord and about having a walk with Him and so on and so forth. And, and, and so that day, the young man that I sat to that I thought was my best friend to this day has not spoken to me. I, uh, I uh, have tried to reconcile with him. But, but anyway, it just, it just didn't happen. He felt betrayed. And, 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 but you know what? I, that day, I began to pursue God's will for my life. And I knew that that meant going to Bible college. And I didn't know how it would unfold. But by the grace of God, in 1993, I graduated and, uh, from Bible college and went on to another two years in the seminary. And then uh, it came uh, 1995. And I was done. And I, had, I was married at that time. It was time to pastor. I went to see uh, Dr. Howes, who was, who was my pastor at that time. And uh, he asked me, he said, do you feel... Any particular, has a church, uh, you know, called you? I said, well, no, sir. <laughs> I didn't have a resume. I had, I was just trying to finish school. And, uh, and uh, I had uh, no money at all. I just, I sold a car so that I could graduate and, uh, and finish paying my bill. And, but, I, but I knew God was moving me. I knew that the next stage of my life was coming. And he said, well, w would you consider starting a church? I said, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, my wife and I, Terry Stalling Shook, we actually drove down to uh, uh, the town next, next door to where we are, 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 have been now for 25 years. And we prayed about going there and, and felt like God uh, was leading us. And so we went back that next Sunday night and stood in front of the church and said, we're leaving to go start a church in High Point, North Carolina. And, uh, and, uh, and, and then, and then, uh, uh, and I, so I, I told uh, my wife, I said, well, I guess that means uh, we, 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 uh, we're going to have to turn, we're going to have to resign our jobs. We're going to turn in our notice. And so, uh, uh, so uh, the, the, the next day was Monday and I went to uh, the, the trucking company where I was working and she went to the job where she was doing data entry and, and I chickened out and I, I picked her up after work. I said, how'd it go? She said, how'd it go? I said, it didn't go. I, I, didn't, I didn't turn in my notice. Did you? She said, no, I didn't turn in my notice. I said, we'll do it tomorrow. And so we went on Tuesday and, uh, and I picked her up from work and uh, she said, how'd it go? I said, I, I didn't turn my notice in. She said, I did and it went well. I said, I'm going to tomorrow. And, uh, and so finally on Wednesday, I went to the terminal manager. I said, I'm turning in my two week notice. He said, do you have another job? I said, yes, sir. What's that? I said, I'm going to be a pastor in North Carolina. He said, wonderful. He said, that's, that's great. He said, that's what you trained for. I said, yes, sir. And, uh, and uh, either it was him or one of my buddies on the dock. I don't remember. Somebody walked up to me and said, what's the name of the church? I hadn't thought about that yet. I said, I don't know yet. And they said, was well, there a lot of people in the church? I said, well, I'm hoping my wife will come. <laughs> one guy said, is there a lot of money in that? I said, I really don't know, buddy. <laughs> and it dawned on to me, I had no money. I didn't have money to get there. 
And, uh, and, and so uh, that was on a Wednesday. We worked day shift. I went to church that night on Wednesday night. And as I was walking in our little apartment uh, after church, the phone was ringing. And I picked up the phone and someone said, uh, we, we are uh, Bailey's, we, we're in Bailey's Grove Baptist Church in Ashboro, North Carolina. And we need a pastor. And, 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 and we understand that you're coming to this area to start a church. Would you, would you pray about candidating to be our pastor? And I, I thought, oh, well. And so I hung up the phone and I, I went right straight away to see my pastor again. And he, he knew about the situation. He said, I think you ought to at least go check it out. So we've served our, our notice at work and, and we had no job and we had no money. We had enough gas to get down there. That was a blessing. And we drove down a 12-hour trip to, to North Carolina and, and to Asheboro. And, 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 and I don't know how to explain this to you. I'd never been uh, 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 to uh, uh, Bailey's Grove Baptist. Didn't know Bailey's Grove Baptist Church existed. But as we drove about, about to midnight that night, as we drove into the city, a peace and a calm came over both of our hearts. And it was as if the Holy Spirit said, this is where you will spend the rest of your life. I, I mean, it was definite. It was the Lord. And, and I, I, uh, I went the next morning, preached that morning, preached that night, and taught Sunday school, preached Sunday morning, Sunday night. After the service was over, they said, uh, you, you, uh, 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 we're going to have a business meeting. And I, well, I didn't want to be there for the business meeting. If it didn't go well, I said, well, I'm going to McDonald's. And I'll get me a cup of coffee. I didn't even drink coffee. It just seemed like the thing to do. So I went and got me a cup of coffee. And about 20 minutes later, somebody came down and said, would you come back? And they came in. They said, we, we voted unanimously tonight. Would, would you be our pastor? And, 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 and you know what? Uh, I, 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 we, we, we went back up, got a, got a truck, loaded up a little bit of stuff we had, came back. And, and by the grace of God, last October, 25 years, we've been there at Bailey's Grove Baptist Church, seen hundreds and hundreds saved and so many miracles. I don't have time to tell you them all. But can I tell you just by, by way of testimony, may, may I say to the men who stood a little while ago, I, I don't understand it all. I know that I'm as unworthy as any of us that stood a while, that you that stood a while ago, anyone that serves on this staff. And I, I'm as unworthy as any of God's servants. Well, I'm just say this. I am happy to be God's man. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to be God's man. I, I love it. I mean, I love it. I, I, I love the call of God upon my life. And, and, and I am humbled. Oh, Paul wrote to, to Timothy over in 1 Timothy and chapter number 1 and verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me that he, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Putting, I, I'm, I'm happy to be in the ministry. I don't, I don't know. I don't begrudge it. It's not a mere duty to me. I love it. I enjoy it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I love what God has done through these years. Our principal, I baptized him when he was in the fifth grade, got saved under Carl Hatch's preaching. Our secretary at this school, I baptized her as a little junior age girl. Our math teacher, I baptized as a little uh, 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 primary age girl. All through our ministry, our folks have been saved and their lives have been changed through the years. I, I don't get used to it. Last Sunday, I baptized Bill and Shelly. Bill and Shelly got saved in our balcony in an invitation. Bill got saved at a men's skeet shoot. And uh, they came to church and, and uh, they, they, it was all, all brand new to them. And they began to grow. And Bill's mother came to church and she moved. She was diagnosed with cancer. In Florida, she moved to stay with her son for her last months. And she came to church one time and sat in the balcony. I gave the gospel, gave the invitation. 
I thought she did not respond until she was in the hospital and I asked her about her soul. She said, I got saved in the balcony at your church. And she told me the day. And, 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 and last Sunday, uh, Bill and Shelly got, got baptized. The week before, Shelly told me this. She said, she said preacher, she said, my, my husband, Bill, Gary, by the way, they weren't married when they came to us. They got saved and they figured out they need to get married. Now they're, now they're married. And, and she said, when, when Bill's dad died, he drank all the way through that whole episode. When his brother died, he drank all the way through it. When his other brother died, he drank all the way through it. When his mother died, he stood by, he sat by her bedside and read the word of God to her and prayed with her. I don't ever get used to that. I don't ever get used to that. Last Sunday, I baptized two young men and a family joined the church, a 16-year-old and a, and a 13-year-old young man. Their mom and dad got saved 12 years ago through the influence of a, a drug rehab and a Baptist church. And they were in church for three months. Unfortunately, that church split just as soon as they got in it. They hadn't been in church for 12 years. And dad, with the Holy Spirit living inside of them, finally said, we've got to be in church why, we're, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, we're, and he knew that much. And after 12 years, they went to the only church that somebody invited him to, which is the rock and roll church in town. One of the rock and roll churches in town. They went three weeks and he's like, this is not church. This is not church. And he said, we got to pray. He got his family together and said, God, we don't know where to go. We just know we're supposed to be in church. Please lead us and guide us. It was a rainy Wednesday afternoon. And one of our elementary teachers and two of our teenage girls knocked on their door the same day. They prayed that prayer. Prayer. They came to church two months ago. They haven't missed the service yet. The boys got saved. They got baptized last Sunday. They joined the church last Sunday. I don't ever get tired of it. I love it. I love being God's servant. I don't deserve to be God's servant, but I'm happy to be God's man. And let me tell you something, you young men that stood. Uh, listen, what a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing that God has seen fit to call you. And if you didn't get to stand with those men, I don't know God's plan for your life, but maybe it ought to be something thump, thump, thump in your heart. Say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but if you want me to be one, I'm happy to be one. I'll be glad to be one. Just tap me on the shoulder and I'll do it. I never get used to what God has done in our lives through these years. A few months ago, the mayor of our town stood up in the pulpit just before the elections. He came and testified a little bit. He talked about the day that he came. His father had died. He belongs to one of the churches in town that a lot of the influential people go to, you know. But when his dad died and he was wondering about his soul, he showed up at my office door, said, do you have a few minutes? And about 45 minutes later, he knelt with tears in my office and received Jesus Christ as his personal savior. He stood in front of the church. He said, I, I, I know I'm going to heaven. Pastor led me to the Lord. Can I tell you something? I, I don't get used to that. Oh, glory to God. I'm happy to be God's man. I don't deserve to be used of God, but I'm happy to be used of God. I'm happy to be used uh, to be God's man. Number two, I'm humbled to be God's man. I'm humbled to be God's man. God spoke to Jacob in Genesis 32 and verse 10. He said, I am not worthy of the least of thy, of thy mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. That was a spirit. He said, I'm not worthy. You know, a Jeremiah spirit. God, I'm a child. The same thing Solomon said. I'm like a little child. I'm, I'm not worthy of this. I, I, I don't deserve this. I, I'm humble to be God's man. I, I don't know for sure if this is the proper interpretation, but I know for sure it's a good application. In Matthew twenty two fourteen, 14, where the Bible said, many are called, but few are chosen. 
I think perhaps the Lord is saying, I, I, many are called, many are called for service, but there's a few that God says, this is the only thing I want you to do with your life. I don't want you to do anything else. And whether that's the proper interpretation, I wouldn't stake my salvation. I'd stake Dr. Getch's salvation on it, but not my salvation. But nonetheless, I think it's a real good application. And I know this, uh, if God has called you, listen, we ought to be humbled by that. When I pray and I thank the Lord, I often say, God, thank you for calling me and thank you for choosing me and thank you for using me. And I'm just here to say, listen, it's a wonderful thing to serve God. It's a wonderful thing to be to a city what Samuel was to that city when Saul needed him. It's a, it's a happy thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a humbling thing. First Timothy 1.11, Paul said, spoke of the glorious gospel of the blessed God that was committed to my trust. Every one of you that stood a while ago, you ought to think about that. The glorious gospel of the blessed God has been committed to our trust. What an amazing trust. Do, do I feel worthy? No. But I am humbled that God would use us. Number three, I'm happy to be God's man. I'm humbled to be God's man. Number three, I'm obligated to be God's man. I'm obligated to be God's man. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior. He opens Romans 1.1 1, 1 with the phrase, called to be an apostle. 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, called to be an apostle. 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Colossians 1.1, 1, 1, 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, Titus 1.1. 1, 1, he said, I'm called to be an apostle, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. Paul was saying this, he said, I know who I am in Christ. I know what God has called me to do. And I come not with an authority of my own. I have no authority. You as God's servant, God's called servant, you have no authority of your own, but we've been deputized for a wonderful, great purpose. There ought to be something inside of you that once that realization dawns upon your mind and heart that God has his hand upon your life, there ought to be something inside of you that says, I can do nothing else. I can do nothing else. I am obligated to be God's man. Jephthah said it this way in Judges eleven thirty five: I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot go back. I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot go back. Listen carefully. Bible college is a wonderful place, but it's also a real easy place to backslide. There can be a false sense of spiritual security. You're in chapel about every day in church, how many times a week, and in ministry and Bible classes. Good night. If you're not spiritual, who is? But you can be all around the work of God and be estranged from God in your personal relationship with Him. And when you get away from God, it's amazing how your mind will begin to do mental gymnastics and you can justify just about anything that your flesh wants to do. I don't know your life situations, but some of you are going to have an opportunity to make a lot of money. And you might say, well, I don't use this opportunity. I could do something for God. And I challenge you to think like C.T. Studd, to think like William Borden. 
who when his father died what seemed to be an untimely death and inherited the Borden fortune, his mother who had prayed for him to be a missionary said, son, why don't you just stay here and be the head of the board and then you can go about back and forth to mission work. And he said, I can't do that, mom. He gave all of his fortune away, died at age 25, completely surrendered to the will of God for his life. And listen, it's going to come by. I was talking to Dr. Tom Williams some weeks ago and, and I don't know the name of the college, but in years past, turned out many uh, servants, particularly missionaries, uh, just churning out missionaries at a Bible college in the Midwest. And, 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 and a, a factory came to town, a food processing factory came to town just a few miles from the college, Dr. Getch. That plant paid very well, very good wages. It eventually became known as the graveyard of missionaries, that job. Young man, let me just say this. God, God, God takes care of his servants. God's going to feed you and take care of you. I, I'm just saying there ought to be something inside of you that says, I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot go back. I cannot go back. I am happy to be God's man and I'm humbled to be God's man, but I'm obligated to be God's man. Does that mean that I feel adequate at, uh, 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 to be God's man? Absolutely not. I feel my own inadequacies often. I remember the first time that I, I, that I was in the presence of someone as they passed away. Wayne Beaver, his uh, daughter got saved at our church and she went home and led her husband to Christ. And Ann, his wife, called me. I sent him my office and said, would you please, he's fighting cancer. He was at home in his recliner. Pastor, would you come? I think Wayne's not going to make it. And I went and I knelt by Wayne's chair and I watched Wayne breathe his last breath. And his wife, Ann, turned to me. I'm 25 years old. 26 maybe. And, and it was like an eternity of silence. And she turned to me. She said, Pastor, say something. I didn't know what to say. In the first time in my life, I watched a man die. I didn't know what to say. I found out later it wasn't so much what I said. The word of God, a song, just, just an expression of love. You don't need to fret about what to say. But, but I, re- I felt my inadequacies. God has a way of keeping his servants humble. I love to witness. I love to. I made a practice for years to witness when I go to the gas pump. I challenge our people to do the same. We have members in our church, uh, deacons, choir members, staff members that I met at the gas pump. You know why? Because at the gas pump, you're a captive audience. That's why. I'll wait till they start pumping. Amen. Then I step around and say, hey, I'm Pastor John Schiff from Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. Listen, I've led people to Christ at the gas pump, led people to Christ inside, so excited and thrilled about what God has done, rejoicing, jump in the car and take off. If you ever been to the gas pump and where the hose comes into the thing, there's a, there's a silver couplet right there. Uh, uh, and, 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 and it's made for people like me who forget that they were still pumping gas and they took off and dragging the hose behind them. Brother Weaver, that didn't happen to me once. It didn't happen to me twice. It happened to me three times. Four times. Don't laugh at me. That's embarrassing. I'm not kidding. Four times. I'm, God has a way of keeping his servants humble. No, I feel my inadequacy. This is their situation. You're gonna be, you don't know what to do. 
I was at 930 for 11 years. We live right behind the church in a home. I was at 930 at night putting some mail in my mailbox on Saturday night. And, and a, a street lamp is right up here. Man's walking down the street. A truck comes by and splashes some water on him. He starts cursing profanities back and forth. And, and all of a sudden, the truck stops and the backup lights come on. I'm thinking, this is not good. And now they're both swearing at each other. Then the truck stops in the middle of the street. The door comes open. And now the man has crossed the street. Now they're face to face yelling profanities. I watch the driver. I just shatters it all. I could see from here to that wall. And, 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 and man reached in his, and I heard, shh, shh. And I saw a figure like with the, uh, the driver with his uh, uh, gun to the man's head saying, you want some of this? You want some of this? I'm like, good night. You guys are going to get ready to get blood on our parking lot. Go do that somewhere else. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. He said, what'd you do? I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't think about what to do. Just instinctively, I went, amazing grace, how sweet. The... Those guys went. They got in their truck and left. I saved a life, amen. There ought to be some kind of reward for that. You're not going to know what to do. But I'm telling you, God anoints his servants. And young men, listen to me. It's nothing that you and I have done. It is the mercy and the grace of God. But his call is upon your life. And he, listen to me, young men, listen carefully. He does something with you that God's people need. The Bible said this about David. First Chronicles 14, 7. When David as a young man became king finally, the Bible said he brought the fear of David upon all the nations. Do you know what? As a young man, can I say this? You can, you can take more liberties as you get older. But especially as a young man, if you go, especially if you go to pastor, you need to look like a pastor. Do you know Why? Because that's not because we're nothing, fellas. We, we know that. We're, we're just trying to read our Bibles and pray and stay halfway spiritual. Finish college. But you know what? God's people need a shepherd. That's the way God made it. God's going to send you to a town, a place, and the, and the people there need to be able to say, as Saul's servant said, there is in this city a man of God. A man of God. I'm happy to be God's man. I'm humbled to be God's man. I'm obligated to be God's man. I'm accountable to be God's man. I'm accountable. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for their souls as they that must give account. Yes, I must give account for myself. Romans 14, 12. Every one of us must give an account for himself that there is a greater degree of accountability for God's called servants because we must give an account of those whom God has given us to shepherd. Luke 16, 12. Give account of thy stewardship. Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, much shall be required. I was, I, I was in, I don't know, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, somewhere. Sitting in the middle. I don't know why they always put me. The teacher put me right there. Front row in the middle of our Christian school. Mrs. Kistler. She's in heaven now. Husband's a pastor. And she always went out of the room right after we had literature, English literature right after lunch. And she'd go down and get her a glass of sweet tea. She loved sweet tea. And she'd, st she'd get us started. Step out of the classroom two or three minutes. Get a fresh glass of sweet tea. And she'd come back in. It was a daily routine. We knew exactly how long it took her to go down there and get her tea and come back. And so you know what we did while she stepped out of the room. Of course we prayed, read our Bibles, studied our literature books and so forth. I, she, come, she came back in the room. I had, dis, I had disassembled my, 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 my big pen and I had a spit wad in it. And, and, and she, she, she'd come back in the door. See, she, she, she lied to us. She tricked us. She walked out like she always did to go get her sweet tea sip. She didn't go down the hall. She stood outside the door. 
16 of us in our class. And I'm like this with my pea shooter. And she comes walking in. Now, you know, what? if you're getting ready to throw a paper wad or something, at least you can kind of, you know what I mean? Or if you're talking, <laughs> but I mean, there's not a lot you can do with it. I mean, you know, there's not a, lot you can, not a lot you can do with that, you know? So, and she walked right up to me and she said, you of all people. And something inside of me rebelled against that. My dad at that time was a pastor of the church. I was like, me of all people? I want to be a regular person. And you know, for a while I struggled with that until God humbled me and said, let me tell you something. You want to be a racehorse? God's blessed you, given you opportunities. Then don't, don't think you're going to have old gray Mary expectations on your life. Now let me tell you something. I don't know your background. I don't know your family. I don't know where you came from. But I know where you are right now. And let me tell you something. You are privileged and blessed to be here. And to whom much is given, much shall be required. There ought to be inside of every man of God. I am accountable. I am accountable to God. I'm accountable to God's people whom I serve. I'm accountable to my men of God peers. I am accountable to be God's man. And lastly, I'm happy, humbled, obligated, accountable. I am committed to be God's man. I am committed to be God's man. In our old auditorium on a Sunday night, we packed and jammed so full people would leave when they didn't, there was no place to park. They'd come in the back door and they'd leave. I took my shoes off, wooden floor. Took a nice pair of shoes off. 16 penny nails and a hammer. I took them off and I nailed them to the floor. As if to say to our people in that message, I'm committed to do God's will for my life. 15 years ago, we built a new auditorium. As we were pouring the foundations, I took a nice pair of floor shines. As they were pouring the foundation, I slipped them off. With the deacons there, I said, fellas, I want to just illustrate something. I've come to stay by the grace of God. I'm God's man. God can do anything He wants to with me. He hasn't shown me that. I believe God wants me here. I took my shoes off. And where I preach every Sunday, about seven feet that way, diagonal, my shoes are buried in the concrete. You know why? Because I'm committed to be God's man. In 2 Timothy, in closing, in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, Verse number 12. Would you turn there for a moment, please? 2 Timothy 1, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Pick up with me right in the middle of verse 12. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I want to challenge you. If you're God's servant, you say this morning, I'm committed to be God's man. According to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 6, where Paul said to God's people, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. In verse 6 he said, Among whom are ye also the called. This message perhaps seems like a message simply to the preacher boys, if you will. But if you're going to be a godly mother, you're just as called as the pastor's called. If you're going to be a Christian school teacher, you're just as called as the pastor is called. If you're going to be a youth pastor, a secretary, a Christian school teacher, a mother, a son, a father, a soul winner, 
God has also called you. God has called us. God has called us out of the world unto himself. And there needs to be a group of God's people. Whether you say, God, I'll be on the mission field. I'm going to be in the pulpit, uh, in a pulpit and a pastor. I'm happy to be there. I'm humbled to be there. I'm obligated to be there. I'm accountable to be there. But by the grace of God, I'm committed to be there so that I can say as the Apostle Paul, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I'm committed all the way. Is there something burning in your heart this morning that says, let come what may, I am committed to be God's man.